getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Ram Power Days is going on now with our most powerful lineup of trucks ever. Hurry in and don't just feel the power, own it. And right now, get 0% APR financing plus $3,000 total bonus cash allowance on 2022 Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cab models equipped with a gas-powered V6 engine. Don't miss this great offer. Visit Ram.com to find your local Ram dealer today. Financing for all qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 1031-22. This episode is brought to you by TickPick, where smart fans buy and sell tickets. Check out TickPick for the best ticket prices for your next game, concert, or event. And use promo code PODCAST to save 10 bucks off any order over $49. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K dot com. Promo code podcast. Today, Carlin Eck previewed the Broncos week six matchup as the Denver Broncos welcome the winless New York Giants to town. You are listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and with me, as always, we have Mr. Nick Kendall. Mr. Nick, what did uh, what did you do during the bye week? Are you one of those people that kind of takes off from football, or are you just such a – I know you're a football nut. Never mind. I know what you did. You watched football. <laughs> uh, I did watch football. That's, that's true, but I was actually in Chicago visiting some friends, and my girlfriend ran the uh, marathon. So I was downtown Chicago and supporting her run 26.2. Good for her. It's something I don't ever need to do. <laughs> yeah, you might have to cut back on your beer intake if that if that was the case. And that's never that's gonna happen. Carbs. That's carbs. That's that's not the problem. No. <laughs> I, I would do a half marathon, I think, but twenty six point two, I mean, good boy. That's insane. If anybody any listeners have done that, good for you. You are a more determined person than I. Oh man. I I've been training for a Spartan run. The one I was supposed to go to, unfortunately, I ran into a, a scheduling conflict, so I wasn't able to go this year, but I've already got a, a team lined up for next year. So Spartan run, here we come. Well, good luck to you. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Now, you, you didn't really miss much if you didn't watch much football on Sunday, at least in my area. And I think you and I have pretty similar TV viewings for, for, Bronco, or for NFL games. I got the winless Chargers and Giants game. That was a, <laughs> that was a good game, but it just not much interest there, I guess other than watching the Giants to to see how they're going to look for the Broncos game. And I'm trying to remember who else I got. I, I don't know. It just wasn't a great week for football, in my opinion, for matchups. But it was good to see the Raiders lose. And Chiefs, unfortunately, uh, they keep winning. Hate to see that. You didn't watch the Packers versus the Cowboys game? I did a little bit. I usually take a little bit of a nap on Sunday. Okay. 
And you know me, I have NFL Game Pass. So I can watch any game anytime after they're all done. So if I miss a game, I'm not usually too bad. But I, I slept a little bit during the Giants-Chargers game, and then I missed my alarm and then slept through part of the, the, the Green Bay-Dallas game. I caught the very end, which was the best part. So yeah. <laughs> at least I got that part. It was a very good game. So like I said, there, there was good games. It just, when it comes to Bronco-related, I guess, yeah. it wasn't as good. So, But that, that happens always, during a bye week. Yeah, that's always good to see the Raiders get beat, like you said. Yes, so. yes it's, it's nice to see Raiders fans kind of panicking. The, the whole news of Donald Penn having to threaten to beat, beat up one player, or not a player, a fan, <laughs> while he's leaving the stadium in his Bentley. Oh, goodness. That's a, that's a mess. Apparently that fan was trying to – there's some rumors that the fan was accosting him on social media and had been planning to do it to try to egg Donald Penn on to and sue Donald Penn. So shame on you, Raider fans. What people will do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Stupidity. <sighs> Expect nothing worse than – Nothing less from, from Raiders fans than that. But on to our show. And of course, all you fans out there, you know that this show's focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos. Of course, we're doing a game preview here today. We have reviews. We have roster analysis, offseason, and draft speculation. Of course, we like to throw in a few hot takes here and there. And Nick and I will continue to bring relevant and intriguing content for the most hardcore fans who eat, sleep, and breathe Bronco football. While it is fun to simply watch the game, we are here to provide you an entertaining deep dive on the Broncos each and every week. With Nick and myself being film junkies, we will be bringing you these previews with a scout-based perspective, breaking down the matchups from a player's skill set and X's and O's perspective. You can follow myself on Twitter at CarlDumblerMHH, as well as follow Nick at NickKindleMHH. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we we live to talk Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. Make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of Scout.com and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as Stitcher. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Now, before we get to the breakdown... I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is all about the excitement of making accurate sports predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. It's totally recreational, and there are all kinds of prizes. In today's climate, the fantasy industries have made watching football a lot more interesting. So go to MyBookie.net and compete for great prizes totally free. All right, time to break down the 0-5 New York Giants. And Nick, I don't know if you do this. I, I I like to do this before every season starts and kind of break down how every team's going to do divisional winners, all those kind of things. And of course, things change because of injuries and it's just, it's impossible to get everything right. But probably my biggest miss of the year so far has been the New York Giants. I had them winning the NFC East and <laughs> the odds of that happening are very, very slim these days. I, I just did not see this kind of collapse. I, I thought they would be a an eleven win kind of team with the strong defense. They have we're gonna get into the matchups, but then the offensive weapons that they've added on top of OBJ, you know, adding Brandon Marshall, Sterling Shepard being there, drafting one of my favorites, Evan Ingram, in the first round. And whew, like I said, this is this is one of my biggest misses of the year is how the New York Giants would be. I as well. I was pretty I'm the Giants coming into this season. 
I thought that, like you said, great defense, good pass rushers, cornerbacks. Linebackers aren't great, but I mean, that's the, the John Elway building the defense mold, so I, I can kind of forgive some shoddy linebacker play. And a quarterback who's won two Super Bowls. But like we talked about before, starts up front. The Giants cannot protect the quarterback, and they can't run block. So if you can't, if you can't win up front on the off, offense, nothing else really works. Agreed. I, it, it feels a lot like oh, a couple years ago with the Indianapolis Colts, where they went out and signed all these big-name uh, weapons to surround Andrew Luck with, and they completely ignored the offensive line. And so the entire year, Andrew Luck was just getting pounded left and right. And these, these offensive weapons, he couldn't get them to him because he didn't have the time to even try to find them open. And to me, that's just exactly where the Giants are right now. But we'll, we'll get into that more as we get through some of these, these key matchups that we're going to go into. And, and the first one for me is, and I think we're probably going to have this one pretty much every week just because it's such a vital part for the Broncos and whether they're going to win or lose. And, and you already said it. It starts up front. If you win in the trenches, a lot of times you're going to win a game. And for the Broncos, Broncos offensive line versus Giants front seven. And for the Giants, this is where they have invested their money. Three of their top seven cap hits come in the front seven, actually in the front four. Olivier Vernon, Damian Harrison, and JPP. All three are in their top seven cap hits for the year. So this is where they've invested their money, and this is where the Broncos have to win if they really want to do anything on offense. Yeah, this is uh, despite the Giants' 0-5 record, they do have talent on the defensive line. Former first-round pick Jason Pierre-Paul, who had that unfortunate injury, the 4th of July injury with the firework involving his hand, but still a talented pass rusher. And they got Olivier Vernon, who's also a really talented edge as well, um, University of Miami in, in his sixth year now. And Damon Harrison, 6'4", 350, one of the best in the league, despite what the, the Giants' run defenses looked like this year. At least he was last season. And Alvin Tomlinson, a guy also very solid up front there. But it's, it's going to be another tough test for the Broncos' offensive line especially the tackles. Uh, the Giants, they were beating those Chargers tackles pretty pretty consistently last week. I, I'm very impressed with Olivier Vernon the most. I think he is probably one of the, the better edge rushers in football right now. I love his, his profile. Um, he's a little bit shorter, but just very strong off the point of attack and not the bendiest speed rusher, but can win with full rushes, can get across guys' faces. So that's going to be a, a big test for Bulls this week. And Ver- Vernon is also a very good run defender. Bulls is uh, blooming before our eyes. Probably the best or second best rookie tackle so far this season. It's either him or Cam Robinson. And uh, it doesn't get much easier for him here. So got this game this week and then next week at Bosa and Ingram. So just the Broncos gauntlet of taking on incredible edge rushers continues. And like I said, that's why it has to be one of the key matches every single week. There's just no let up in this schedule. The, the top two divisions for for pass rushes is NFC East and AFC West. And of course, Broncos are playing both this year. So that's nine of the games that they're going against very top tier pass rushing units. And oh goodness, that's something always to keep in mind when we're looking at the grades of of tackles and and how they're doing is just the quality. There's plenty of teams out there that they could go and whoop up on and and you say, oh man, look how great they are. Well, they didn't really play quality players. Well, <laughs> the, these Bronco tackles are getting tested. If if Garrett Bowles continues the the path that he's going, I'm so excited just to see where he is at the end of the year because he's definitely getting put through the ringer. And and so far, he's held up pretty well. 
So I, I like his chances against Vernon, but definitely this is going to be one of his tougher matchups. I, I think this is his toughest matchup since week one when he had to go against Bosa and Ingram. Yes, I agree. Luckily for the Broncos, the Giants are, like I touched on, really struggling against the run this season. Last week, Melvin Gordon put up over 100 yards and I think about 60 rush or receiving yards against that Giants front seven. And on the season, the Giants run defense is ranked 29th in the league, which really surprising considering how good uh, Damon Harrison is as a just a 6'4", 350-pound, like I mentioned, just tank. And uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, who, if, if you listeners recall, was one of Carl's favorite players coming in the draft last year, just a fire hydrant type of guy. You know, not the biggest University of Alabama kind of got. Well, I mean, he's 6'3", 312. He's pretty big, but not, you know, 350-pound nose tackle type. But super strong on the point of attack. Plays with great leverage. Not really the best pass rusher, but can really own his gaps. And played played pretty well so far this season. From everything I've seen, he's been really good. He's not going to offer much as an interior pass rusher, so that's good for whoever he goes up against. It's good for Simeon. Hopefully he will climb the ladder a little bit more this week. But still, they have pieces that you look at them, you think they'd be better stopping the run. But it's just not not happening so far this season. I want to blame more so the the linebackers than the defensive line. The New York linebackers are, I mean, if you know any Giants fans, they probably complain yearly about how unspectacular the linebacking core is. Strong side linebacker Devin Kennard from USC, uh, 6'3", 251, entering his fourth year. B.J. Goodson, six foot, two hundred forty-two pounds from Clemson, and uh, Jonathan Casillas from Wisconsin, guy that I remember watching at uh, Big Ten football. More of a kind of a tweener safety linebacker. He's I think he weighs about two hundred and twenty-five pounds, so not the biggest guy. And their linebackers have struggled tremendously this tremendously this year, whether it be in coverage or filling the gaps. So if the Broncos' offensive line can contain that defensive line enough and get to that second level and take on those linebackers, I smell big days for both. Charles and Anderson and maybe Booker. So that with those edge rushers, Broncos tackles are solid, but still a little bit green. I mean, they're average to below average as we graded them last week, but work that run game Broncos, number three rated run game and yards per game so far this season. And you can control the game. I think, I mean, we'll, we'll touch on what the giants offense or lack of offense looks like coming in, but I think the run game is the key for the Broncos. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree completely with that. And when I watched him on film, this is this is what I saw because I agree. I, they should be better on paper. They should be a lot better against the the run with Damon Harrison, Dalvin Tomlinson. Both of them are pretty much playing at a top ten level for run run stopping ability as an interior runner uh, or as an interior defender. And and JPP and Olivier Vernon, both those guys are, are pretty good. But what I'm seeing sometimes is. Teams are using the aggressiveness, especially of JPP and 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 Vernon, and kind of getting them to, to swing out wide and give up some very big gaps. And then, like you said, that linebacking core is just, it's not good. It's the weakness of that defense. Coming into this year, I thought the Giants would be top three, top five type defense, just with that front four. And then, of course, the secondary that they have, and, and we'll get into them a little bit more as we go through this. But I just thought with all the playmakers they had, this is going to be a, an elite defense and that linebacking core is definitely holding them back because they cannot cover those gaps. They're either lacking the athleticism or they're just really lacking the, the, the awareness. That's the, the big thing that I saw, especially they are so vulnerable to play action. And what I'm getting way ahead of myself on, on our notes here on some of these things and, and game planning on how to, to attack this defense, but they bite on so many things. 
the the counter plays are there to have the outside runs are there to have it just they they really struggle to cover those gaps and so the Broncos this is a great week to really get right and get the offensive line moving downhill and and making that front four have to respect the run game which should open up the pass game that's that's what the Broncos are trying to do this year when they've had success on offense it's been that the run game is going well Teams have to send extra guys to stop the run, and then the play action works well. But I, I want to take a little bit of time here because Pro Football Focus, they, they released their grades on overall offensive line and individual grades for, for the Broncos and every team out there. And I was kind of shocked by a little bit of these. I guess I shouldn't be shocked. But I wanted to get your opinion on these, Nick. Of Would you say these are too high, too low, or just right when it comes to PFF grades? Because <laughs> you and I both, we, we have some offensive line guys we we follow on Twitter, and we really highly respect their opinion. They are not big fans of PFF when it comes to offensive line grades. Uh, they they just see things differently than, obviously, PFF season. And I, so, yeah, I just wanted to get your opinion of what you think, just the eyeball test when you've seen these players. Both Garrett Bowles, they have him as a 67.1. Too high, too low, or just right? I mean... I guess it could be a little bit higher, but it's within the, the error bar, in my opinion. I'd probably give him about a 71. Okay. Garcia is a 44, and Barber's a 52.6. Sounds about right. Yep, I agree. Paradis is a 78.5. That's the one I think I have the biggest issue with. I yeah, think that... Paradis has been playing the best ball on the offensive line to start the year. He's been big in the run game, and from what I've seen, hasn't given up many uh, pass rush pressures, pressures as well. I'd say he's probably – I'd have him about – seven to 10 points higher. Yeah, that, that was the one. And that's why I wanted to go through this mostly was just the Paradis one. Cause it kind of shocked me of, he was the top five center last year, according to PFF. And all of a sudden his grade has just dropped, but I thought he's actually played better this year than last year, partly because he's just surrounded by better talent with Leary being on his right side. And well, Garcia and Barber are great on his left side, but that was same last year. But, yeah, I just thought that grade was a little bit shocking. And then Leary's 82.9. That's about right. Yeah, I had him at like an 84, but that's minimal. Yeah. And then Watson, 36.8. Again, that's probably about right considering the performances he put up the first two weeks. And then they have, as much as Bronco fans have complained about this offensive line, they actually have them ranked 16th in the league overall. Now, some of that's because their run grade is actually pretty good. But and and kind of counters a little bit of the pass grade, but they, I guess that's where I had them this year. You and I both said at the beginning of the year that if they could be an average offensive line, this offense could do enough to win some games. And so far, they're doing enough, and we're winning some games. I mean, yeah. we harped on all off season fixing that offensive line the best we could. It's probably going to be a multi year project, but if you can at least get them average. And especially doing better as run blocking as a run blocking unit with this defense and a young quarterback, that this team could win a lot of games and travel on the road and win some tough AFC West games. I mean, nullifying edge rushers. The best way to do that is to keep the score close and run it down their throat. And that's that's how this team is built. That's how the offense is built. I mean, I know a lot of fans want to see the fifty-five to ten two thousand thirteen Bronco offense, but that that offense is long gone. This is a smash mouth football team this season. That's just how we're built. That's how we're going to have to win games. There's obviously some explosion in that regard, but it's going to have to be winning ugly on offense at least. And I'm perfectly fine with that. I mean, I'm an Iowa Hawkeye fan. 
we don't win anything but ugly. So it's it's what I'm used to, and I'm I'm loving the the improvements on the offensive line. I'm per, I'm very comfortable with Bowles. I'm very comfortable with Paradis. I'm I want them to you know we talked like last week, uh, give that guy a contract, keep him here, and I'm comfortable with Leary. So Watson, we'll see. I don't think the future left guard is on this team. Nah, that's not true. Maybe it's McGovern. I'm hoping that we'll see some more McGovern after the bye week. I haven't heard anything about that. But right, I mean, last last year, the only guy that I thought on the offensive line that would was worth starting, well, we had two. I guess I thought Okun was worth starting, and so did the Chargers because they gave him the highest annual allotted value per season, the highest annual contract for a NFL and a Paradise. And this year, we got three guys, and I think Watson's at least – He's close to league average. He might be a little bit below, but there's, I mean, there's some really bad right tackles in the NFL right now. Did you watch that, the Monday night game, Bears-Vikings? I didn't have a chance to watch it. I was, I was doing something, but uh, it, it didn't, I, I heard it, it was not pretty. The tackle play in this league is very bad right now. And as much as we're hating on Watson, be above average as a run blocker going forward, continue being above average as a run blocker and be, Slightly below average as a pass blocker, I'll take it. At least this season, I'll, I'll take it because the tackle play is really bad. Yeah. If you want to feel better about Watson for the Broncos, actually go watch the Giants. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have a worse right tackle than the Broncos, and we'll talk about them here in a little bit. But, oh, goodness, you're, you're right. I, I think people have sometimes such high expectations. Of this player is supposed to never get beat or hardly ever get beat. And when they get beat, it's oh they're they're trash. They're and and Watson hasn't been great. Uh, we can't get past that. He, he's not been great pass blocking, especially those first two games. He's gotten better, and that's that's something to really hold our hat on. Of hey, at least he's showing improvement. But he's also played some elite talent, and I think the Broncos are just trying to to learn what works, what doesn't work, what where they need to help, how they need to help. It, it's a learning process when you have a new coach. You have a new system coming in and some new players to the system, especially the offensive line. They're all new. A lot of them are new players. There's just a lot of things that they have to, to figure out. And this was a pretty good time to have that bye week. We talked about that this last, this last week, just because you can have a time to really reevaluate the team, evaluate what works, what doesn't work, what changes they need to make, all those kind of things. And so I'm very interested just to see how they come out and, and, prepare for this Giants defense, how they help Watson or how Watson adjusts to what he's seeing on the field. There's just, there's going to be some new things that are going to be added, some new wrinkles, I think this week. And what I'm really hoping, and this kind of brings me into our, our second matchup and that's the, the wide receivers and tight ends versus the Giants secondary. Hey everyone, Chad Jensen here. This episode of the scouts Eye preview was recorded by Nick and Carl before the news broke that cornerback Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie had been suspended by the Giants. Let me ask you this question, because you might have a different answer than I do. Who has been your biggest disappointment in the first quarter of the season for the Broncos? Brandon McManus. Okay, Just yeah. Oh, man. So good before that. and That's true. Yeah, I, I put down Demarius Thomas. And I was a little yeah, bit shocked when I actually went and looked at his stats, because he's, he's leading the team in, in uh, receiving yards, 247 receiving yards which isn't terrible. It's not great. And I, I guess I just expected Sanders to be leading the team just because he gets so many more targets and catches and he just seems to get more involved in the offense. DT has like those big chunk plays that just kind of come out of nowhere. And then at least for me, it kind of surprised me at the end when you go, oh man, 
he had that many yards this game. <laughs> I don't know. It just, like I said, he's kind of been a little bit of a disappointment, but I don't know if it's all his fault. I think this is a little bit of McCoy's got to do a better job scheming to get the ball into DT's hands early in the game. And I, I have no clue where the wide receiver screen has gone. Like that was such a huge part of the 2012 offense. It, it was dangerous. 2011, it was kind of that same. Well, not 2011. It wasn't that much. But 2012, especially when McCoy, McCoy was here with Peyton Manning and DT getting those plays and taking them 80 yards. And we haven't really, we, I don't think we've seen one screen pass to DT, have we? I think we might have had one week one, but it was almost intercepted. Okay, that might be right. But it, it just, yeah, it hasn't been pretty. He's got to get more involved. He's a number one wide receiver. He's being paid as a number one wide receiver. He's got to go make some more plays for the team. And this is this is a big game because he's got a tough matchup. Janoris Jenkins most likely is the guy that's going to be on his side. The the Giants are a lot like the Broncos. They kind of have those those spots. They don't really move their corners around a whole lot. A little bit here and there, but but they like they they trust their guys. And so DT, he's got a tough matchup, but he's got to go out there and win it. And and looking at this this Giants secondary, I think they've been a little bit of a a letdown this year. I, I guess I would say just looking at the talent and and last year especially what they were able to do, just kind of thought this year they'd come in and, and be that much better. And and so far they've kind of allowed quarterbacks to have their way with them a little bit. They've allowed ten touchdowns, only have one interception, which completely shocks me when you look at these names. <laughs> I I couldn't believe it. And, and they've struggled a little bit against number one wide receivers. They are ranked 12th in the league, giving up 68.7 yards against number two wide receivers. And this is where Eli Apple, isn't he? He's a second-year player. Is that right? Yes, he is. And they took him over a number of tackles, which the Giants fans that I know remind the other Giants fans very often. But he, he's had his struggles this year. They ranked 27th in the NFL, stopping number two wide receivers. So Sanders, this could be a really big game for him, but I don't know. I, I just I still have that feeling of DT has to be a, a playmaker this game. That that's the guy I want to see get going right and get some red zone targets. He hasn't really had too many of those so far, and he has zero touchdowns. But looking across the rest of the board here, let me just go through this. We have they are ranked twelfth at stopping all of the wide receivers. That is DRC. Everybody kind of remembers him, Dominic Rogers Camardi when he was with the Broncos. And he was a very good player for us. I, I wanted us to re-sign him. The Broncos tried to re-sign him. He turned down the contract, and Broncos handed it to Aqib Tlaib, which was ended up being a huge blessing for the team. And then DRC came back and goes, oh, wait, I want the contract. And they're going, oh, sorry, we already moved on. <laughs> it's our love. Elway does not mess around when it comes to contracts. And then he got paid less by the Giants on the open market. Exactly. So that's it's kind of like that whole... You know, anybody out there who's ever put their house on the market, yeah, you get that first offer, and a lot of times it's lower than you want. And then you have to make that decision of, do I want to hold out for bigger money or will nothing come of this? My, my parents just ran into that where they got an offer week one of putting their house on the market. Their realtor said, don't take it. Well, then they didn't get another offer for a year. And then the offer that they did get that they finally agreed on was less than that first offer. Mm. <laughs> they were they were not very happy. So it's kind of the same way in the NFL. Sometimes you get that big contract, you think you're worth more. I remember that with Pot Roast when he went on the open market. He thought he was going to get $8, 10000000 million a year. 
And everybody kind of looked at him and said, you're an overweight defensive tackle that only plays about 30% of the snaps. We're not going to pay you that much. So he, he overvalued himself. But DRC, he is a very good player. Very, very quick hips. Very lanky guy that can stick with the tall guys. He's more physical than some people give him credit for. He's not a great tackler, though. He leads the team in missed tackles so far this year. But another weak spot that they have is tight ends. They rank 20th in the NFL, giving up 76.7 yards per game to tight ends. So far this year, they've surrendered 31 catches and 304 yards while giving up six touchdowns to tight ends. Whew, that's not pretty. Not good. So this this could be a very big week for A.J. Derby. I was going to make that exact point. And it comes again to the Giants linebackers are just not that talented. Um, Casillas, Goodson, and Kennard are just – I mean, that's the weakness of the team. So I bet you running backs and tight ends. Like we see the tight ends. I saw last week Melvin Gordon put up, I think, 60 yards on five five receptions and had a touchdown through the air. So – Broncos, that's, that seems like an area where a lot of teams are vulnerable right now. They're just, that's why we're seeing more and more dimebackers in the field as well. Again, good point. A.J. Derby, I think if you're a daily fantasy person out there, A.J. Derby is a good – or if you're looking for a one-week flyer, I think Derby is a very good one-week player that who will outperform his projections. And we also don't want to move on without talking about their safeties. Uh, Landon Collins last year, I believe, was the runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, third-year player from the University of Alabama. I was one of the first picks in the second round. He's in his third year this season. Um, six foot, 225, and can play high safety, can play man covers, can play a multitude of different zones. But he's at his best, I think, coming downhill, playing more of a a thumper role. So I'm expecting to see some some good good matchups between him and the running backs this week where he's going to have to come down and help clean up some of the linebackers' issues. And you made a good point as well. Giants, yeah, if you saw Adam Gatsas' comments today, he said that it's not just Petco, it's not just it's a whole defense that has to help in run defense. And, you know, you talked about Dominic Riders Camardi not having the most missed tackles on the team. Janoris Jenkins is not a great tackler, and Eli Apple is also not a great tackler. So I'm all about ta- attacking those edges this week with a running back. And let's beat you. I mean, he's, he's good, <laughs> but I don't think that he's going to help cover up all those issues that they have on run defense. And the other safety they have is Darian Thompson, who's a second-year tight end or second-year free safety from Boise State. Uh, was a third-round pick last season. He did not play anything. I think he might have gotten injured the first preseason game, first or second. And uh, they had some pretty high, high expectations for him in this season. And it's been a mixed bag so far. He's had some communication issues. Not the twitchiest guy at safety. You know, you, you want those single high guys to be extremely explosive um you see guys like earl thomas malik hooker even you know harrison smith who can watch that quarterback and then turn their hips and go and cover a lot of ground and that's i don't really see that with darian thompson right now he does have good size he's a pretty good uh pretty decent run defender especially for a free safety i think he's actually tied with drc for the lead in uh missed tackles this year i believe it yeah Yeah, he's definitely having a down year this year Hopefully the Broncos can attack the middle of the field and use the tight ends and the running backs in the passing game. And I know we keep saying that we want those wide receivers to step up, but if you have a good matchup and you can attack it, I keep attacking it until they can stop it. All right. Well, before we go any farther, we want to talk to you about our sponsor, mybookie.net. 
My bookie is all about the fun and excitement of making accurate predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. Site members can make picks against real spreads, lines, and totals for major sports leagues and associations, as well as college sports, and compete for great prizes courtesy of MyBookie. MyBookie.net is the greatest, most professional, and totally free 100% recreational sports prediction service you can find on the web. Instead of the typical head-to-head challenges and handicapping contests, MyBookie goes beyond the basics and offers members a true betting platform that will make users feel like they were in a real betting site. Unlike most betting services, MyBookie.net is a completely free site that allows you to make daily predictions and bets and win real prizes at no cost. MyBookie is not a gambling site or a play-for-money site. It's a free sports wagering website built for millions of sports fans to provide them with a platform to participate in picking games, predicting scores, and compete for free prizes without risking any money. Just like the office pick'em contest in fantasy football, MyBookie brings a deeper enjoyment and excitement to watching our favorite teams compete by increasing the stakes. It's fun, and for no cost for you, you get to make predictions and qualify for free prizes. Again, the service is absolutely free for all users, and we want to say thank you to MyBookie.net for sponsoring the Huddle Up podcast. All right, well, we've been talking a little bit about the, the Giants' defense, but now I want to talk about the, the Broncos' strength and their defense and a matchup that they have all season. And I'm talking about Von Miller and Shaq Barrett going up against Eric Flowers, uh, Justin Pugh, and Bobby Hart. And I'm expecting it. Von Miller, he said, what was it, 30 sacks as possible? I think he can get 15 this week. <laughs> I... I... I was hoping this would be his three or four week or his three or four sack week kind of thing that, that helps get him back on track a little bit to uh, that. The whole 30 number every year, somebody has to throw out that number. And every year I shake my head going, come on, get 20. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take 20, but yeah, Vaughn, this will be one of his easiest matchups of the year. I think, I think Bobby Hart's going to get the start. I haven't for sure heard that he, he was benched, He's had kind of he's had a rough year. Started off with that terrible game against Marcus Lawrence of the Cowboys week one. Then he got injured, sat out a week, came back, but they kept him on the bench. They actually had him as a healthy scratch. And they, they claimed it was because they wanted to give him another week to heal up and things like that. But a lot of people in New York were kind of thinking it was more because of how he was playing. He was just that bad. But it looked like he started this last week against the Chargers. And so I expect that he's probably going to get that start again. Justin Pugh looked better when he actually played that right tackle spot. He was their left guard, but he is, he's a pretty good guard. Not great. I, I think people overvalue him a little bit, but at, at the right tackle spot, he is better. But they, they, I don't know. They, they've been going back and forth, left and right, of who's starting on their offensive line. It's hard to keep up with. <laughs> but again, this is a great matchup for Von Miller, whether it's Justin Pugh or Bobby Hart. And Shaq Barrett against Eric Flowers. No tackle in the NFL since 2015 has given up more pressures than Eric Flowers. It is, oh, he is terrible. The only reason that he's still starting is because they just have nothing else. Who else are they going to put there? It's kind of like Bronco fans going, well, we need to replace Watson. With who? <laughs> Donald Stevenson. You saw what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he came in for one play. It almost led to one of the biggest plays that could have changed the course of the, the Raiders game. Just one play that he came in. Look at the free agent list. It's not good. It's nobody that you want to come in. It, there's such a a need for offensive line talent in the NFL. It's just not being taught at the college level as much as it should. So it takes time to develop guys. And you have to have patience. And it just 
unfortunately, a lot of times you wait those two or three years and a guy doesn't actually pan out. And then you're going, oh man, we're still stuck with, we still got to go find a guy. Then it's another two, three years. And it just, it's hard to find five guys that can do good work. And for the Giants, they have zero guys at the tackle position that can do good work. But Eric Flowers, he has done a little bit better since the first two weeks. He gave up a lot of pressures, a lot of sacks. But since then, he's been a little bit better. I still expect Shaq Barrett just to destroy him because Eric Flowers struggles against against power. He's more of that finesse kind of, I can help try to get you to the edge, but against power, he can get pretty much put on skates and just push right back into Eli's lap. Yeah, he's just so stiff. When I watch him in his kick step, he's literally just a waist bender and you can get him off balance pretty easily. That's how it's almost counter power moves that where you can really get him. where if you set him up outside enough, but then you hit him with that left hand and uh, get in his chest, he, you can knock him off balance and get him right in the quarterback. And for being a guy who's six, six, three twenty nine, I mean, just not, not a good pick, not a good pick. I mean, you talked about, he was a first round draft pick. I think he Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. He's a top 10 draft pick. I think he went nine overall. And Justin Pugh, uh, guard from, I believe it was Syracuse. He was a first-round pick as well. So they've invested draft picks in the offensive line, but just, you know, not panning out. Bad scouting, I guess, is what we can nail it down to. But overall, this is not not a good offensive line. They, they do have – I do think uh, Pugh and uh, their center, Western Richburg, are decently solid pass blockers. And they also brought in DJ Fluker, who played some right guard last week and actually looked like their best, from the tape that I saw, looked like their best run blocker when he was in at right guard. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the starting right guard this week and John Jerry is the backup. But this is just not, not a good unit. And overall, this is a matchup where the Broncos interior defensive line and the Broncos edge rushers should just dominate. The, the Giants cannot run the ball either. They don't have exceptional running back talent. Paul Perkins has failed every opportunity he's been given. Orleans Darkwell is just not that exciting of a back. Um, Shane Vereen's a third down back. He's been in the league for a while. That's actually a guy that we'll have to watch out for a little bit against our linebackers and safeties. Wayne Gallman, who might get the start this week, rookie from Clemson, who if you watched any of the classic Obama Clemson national championship games, Wayne Gallman's a guy that you might recognize. But I just their offensive line is bad. It's worse than the Broncos was last year. I'm pretty confident in saying that. And the Broncos coming in with a bye week with the edge talent that they have. And I think Von Miller's starting to get a little bit frustrated with his lack of statistical output. I smell a pretty big game for him, even if they're doubling and tripling him. And you know what? If they're doubling and tripling him, then Shaq Barrett will have a big game or somebody on the interior will have a big game because I don't think they have the, the offensive line to win one-on-ones to make up for doubling and tripling Von. Right. Well, and... I've heard there's a chance that Western Richburg won't be starting this week again. He had a pretty bad concussion to the point that they had to bring another guy up to, to back up the center position. So th- there's a lot of concern for them. They, they've just, <laughs> I don't like the injury excuse very often, but Oh man, 
this Giants team, they've, they've been devastated through the first five weeks here. And offensive line has been hit. Eric Flowers, I think, is the only guy that has not been on their injury report for the offensive line. So not, not a good look, and especially when you're, you're coming into to Denver, you're going to have this crowd that's going. I'm, I'm excited to hear that crowd shaking the I, – I, it gets me so excited when I see them turn to the cameras that are actually connected to the stadium, and they're just sitting there shaking, and you can't even see hardly what's going on in the game. I love it. And so getting that crowd going, Von Miller getting his jump off the edge. I, I expect probably four false starts in this one. A couple times where they're going to have to take a timeout just because play clock's rolling down and they can't communicate. And it, it just, yeah, this is setting up to be a really big week for that front four for the Broncos and especially Von Miller, Shaq Barrett. So very excited about that. But, but speaking of injuries, we get to this, our, our final matchup of the game. And and this one, it, it's more just because I am so intrigued on who in the world is Eli even going to be throwing the football to in this game? Odell Beckham Jr., done for this season. Brandon Marshall, done for the season. Sterling Shepard's in a boot, most likely going to be out two to three weeks. That's their top three guys. Their number four guy, I'm trying to remember what his name. He was more of just a special teams ace guy. Wasn't Roger really Lewis. a – who'd you say? Was it Rod? Andrew Lewis. Oh, you're thinking of uh, another returner, Damian Williams. There you go. There you or, go. No, Damian, Harris, Damian Harris. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. So top four guys gone, and they're having to bring guys in pretty much off the street. Travis Rudolph, limited athlete, undrafted guy from FFCU. Tavares King. Anybody remember this guy for the Broncos? Fifth round pick that we tried to sneak onto our practice squad, but the Panthers picked him up. Six foot, 189 pounds, more of a, a speedster that. Really, he, he was going to take time to develop. That's what the Broncos had in mind. That's why they thought they could sneak him on the on the practice squad, and that just didn't happen that way. But did, were you a fan of that pick? I don't really remember. I remember them picking him, but I don't remember being that involved in the draft where I knew a fifth-round draft pick okay. like that well. <laughs> so I was irritated that our fifth-round pick didn't make our 53 and that a team poached him. Yeah. But, you know, not especially a fifth-round pick, but – I didn't really have a strong opinion about him, good or bad. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't mind it. It wasn't my favorite, of course, but it's fifth round picks. So you're kind of taking more guys that are their potential outweighs what they've actually produced on the field. A lot of times yeah. you're looking for athletes that you can hopefully turn into stars. And that was kind of what they thought with Tavares King, but here he is coming back, going to play the Broncos this week. Then they have Roger Lewis, uh, former OSU Buckeye. I was kicked off the team and played at Bowling Green. Man, this is just a list of names that, uh, unless you are like deep into NFL rosters, you've probably hardly heard of any of these names. The really the only one that I've heard of too much is Tavares King, just because he was a Bronco for just a half second. And then Evan Ingram, that's going to be their number one option this week. If the Broncos can stop Evan Ingram, they pretty much stop that Giants offense. Maybe a little bit of running backs coming out of the backfield because they've struggled with that a little bit. But, yeah, I, and, and you already said, I, I was a big fan of Evan Ingram. I wanted the Broncos to take him. If Well, I, I like the Garrett Bowles pick, too. That was a, a need pick, value pick for them. It just fit well. If he was gone, I thought Evan Ingram would be a very good pick because this is one area where they struggle, is that seam route, that being able to attack the middle of the field. And Evan Ingram, he's kind of that tight end wide receiver hybrid type player runs a 4.4240 63 234 pounds 
just a, a freak athlete for his size. And I just, I was kind of excited to see what he could do with the Bronco offense and how he could change things and, and be that really big time third option for the Broncos. But Giants got him and he's done pretty well for them. He's made some plays for, for being a rookie. And here he is needing to be the guy that steps up and just dominates a game. I don't know. What do you see any of these guys really being able to do much against this no fly zone? Uh, well, I don't see them being able to do it consistently, but. As we've seen the first few weeks, the Broncos secondary, maybe it'll change coming off the bye, but so far they've had a few communication breakdowns in the back end and somebody's gotten loose deep and all it takes is one catch. I can't even remember the name of the person who the Raiders scored that big touchdown last week, right? I, I can't, I don't I have no clue. One catch was, I think his name was Horton maybe. I think you're right. Yeah. Horton. Yeah. Who the heck is that? So that's, <laughs> I can see something like that happening. Yeah. But overall, this is just, I mean, it's a recipe for disaster. They can't run the ball. They're coming up against a good pass rushing team, and they have no no weapons outside of Evan Ingram. Like, I guess you, I guess they're probably going to play it very conservative and run the ball and get it to Ingram and the running backs a fair amount. But this this seems like a a game where I am not envying being Eli Manning. Like, this is just there's some pretty funny memes out there of Eli Manning already. I feel like this game could generate some more frustrating photos of <laughs> Eli just looking dazed and confused. Yeah. Here, here's my one concern. The Broncos secondary, one of the biggest parts of why they are so successful is they are film junkies like you and me. They're, they're even more than you and me. <laughs> they, they watch for the smallest thing when they're scouting a wide receiver of, of any kind of tell that they will give away. Well, when there's not much film on these guys, it's hard to really know exactly how they're going to try to use them. So that's that's my one little bit of concern is it's just hard to to game plan not knowing how they plan on using these new guys. But there, there's probably going to be a lot of communication errors. You're bringing guys in off the street or off the practice squad, and you got that Bronco crowd. So there's, it's just going to be very hard to communicate with them. They're going to run the wrong route sometimes. And <laughs> so th- this could be a, a good opportunity for this secondary just to to go out there and get about two, three interceptions. This will be a, a good game for the, that. But this defense, they have to they have to dominate the teams that they should dominate. That's my one thing with this game is play play above the competition. Don't play down to the 0-5 Giants. Don't don't let this game continue to linger. I, I, I think the Broncos win this one. How pretty it is is the big question. And I I don't know. It, there, there's just a little bit of worry there, but not not too much yet. The Broncos should win this one, but it just a little bit of concern on some of that. That said, other end of the coin, Eli has about zero chemistry with these guys coming in off of a tough loss, no bye week to prepare, and coming in to play a mile high in a team that's going to be itching to play football coming off a bye. So my money's on ugly hair, phased, phased and confused Eli face plenty of times this week. <laughs> or Sunday night even. It's Sunday night even. Don't start Eli Manning in fantasy football this week. That's that's yeah. the easiest advice I'll ever give you. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Well, let's get to our next section here in X Factor. And it, it, it's amazing. We've been offered here. Well, we, we still did a show last week, but just kind of getting back into the flow of these things and just looking back on the players that we picked against the Raiders. And my player was Damato Pecco. And it wasn't because I... I was worried or thinking that he he had been playing down and needed to play up. It was because he'd been so dominant, he needed to do it again. And especially against going against Rodney Hudson and Osimile and Gabe Jackson, just 
one of the best interior offensive lines in football. And Pecco just dominated them. Oh my goodness. What did Lynch have? Nine carries for 12 yards? It was yeah, it was, it was amazing. And if you haven't looked at Mile High Huddle, I think Eric did a great article. It was a premium piece breaking down the the Mato Pecco and what he brings to this defense and just how much he has changed things. It is it is crazy how much this guy's meant to this defense. There's a real argument out there for him being the MVP of this team so far this year. It, it's just amazing. I love the the energy that he brings, the power that he brings, and he just sets the tone for the rest of the defense of, hey, this is how we're going to play the entire game. And the players really respond to him. He is a great leader. That was something that Cincinnati players talked about a lot was he was just, he was that emotional leader for that defense. And they were very sad to see that go. And he has really brought that to the Broncos of just, just being that dominant player. So very, very excited for what he did and just really embarrassing the Raiders and especially Marshawn Lynch that so many Raider fans were so excited about. And he's, <laughs> he's just not, not what he was. That's for sure. And you picked Brandon Marshall. What what do you think of his game? Uh, he had a solid game. It was more of a team effort. But after coming off that, not a great game against Buffalo, especially covering the tight ends and the wide receivers and the, the running backs, the kind of a similar thing going on at the Raiders. I thought Brandon Marshall could use a bounce back game. And from my eyes, he had a solid game. It wasn't outstanding or anything. I think Todd Davis actually had a better game than he did. But uh, Marshall had an okay game. They, I think they... We saw more Will Parks than we'd seen all season yet. So like we talked about, we had some uh, flame on the YouTube uh, video. I don't know if you saw that, but we were talking about how Todd Davis had been playing better than Brandon Marshall had so far this season. Not that he's a better player, just he'd been in better form, as they'd say in soccer speak. Uh, And some people are like, what are you saying? Brandon Marshall's the best linebacker we have by far. Todd Davis, not good. But I mean, I I, I would take Marshall over Davis still. Yes, I, I would too. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we should negate what Davis has brought to this team this year. Absolutely. He, he's, he's a completely different player than what we've seen the last two years. He yeah. is running downhill. He is shooting gaps well. He is fighting off blocks. He's just doing things that he wasn't doing the years before. He's still not great in coverage. I've seen him a few times trying to go out in coverage and being that couple steps behind and getting a little lucky that either a throw was bad or it just – or the guy didn't look his way, something like that. But but as a run defender, Todd Davis has blown Brandon Marshall away. Marshall, I mean, okay. Marshall hasn't been terrible. I'm not trying to say that. But Marshall's main job for the Broncos is more being that coverage linebacker. Davis is more that run stopper. Davis has done better as a run stopper than Marshall has done as a coverage linebacker. That's yes. all we're saying so far. Doesn't mean that the, by the end of the year, I, I still believe in Brandon Marshall. I'm glad that we have him signed long-term. I like what he brings to this team. And there's just some things he needs to clean up. And I, I can guarantee you, he would say the same thing. I'm sure yeah. he watched the film and said, what in the world was I doing on this play? And so I, I expect more from him coming out of the bye. He's the guy that holds himself very, very countable for his mistakes. Sometimes almost too much. Yes. <laughs> That's one thing I've kind of seen is he's very critical of himself when it comes to football. So hopefully he can can work through those things, get that confidence back, and and just continue to be that playmaker for this defense, especially in the past game. But yeah. yeah, but he did he did have a good game last week. You know, yeah. he was filling up gaps and they tight end did not make many plays and running back did not make many plays. So overall I'd say Pecco and Marshall, give him a rubber stamp A. Yeah. Good job. Definitely. And that brings it to, brings us to this week. And I guess I, 
I took the easy choice <laughs> for X Factor and saying Trevor Simeon. He's had two pretty meh games in a row here. And this is this is one of my issues with, with people sometimes is they'll always go to the record and say, but how did he do? You know, or, or what's his record? I had this, this disagreement a little bit earlier about Alex Smith when it comes to the playoffs. And his record, Alex Smith is two and four in the playoffs, but he's actually got pretty good numbers. And he lost a game when his offense scored 44 points. I don't really blame that game on, on Alex Smith for losing. That's just my opinion. And it's kind of the same with Trevor Simeon of, yeah, we beat the Raiders, but it wasn't a great game for him. The one thing I can point to is, is not having the turnovers, but there were some very close calls, the turnovers. The, the fumble that almost happened because of, of Donald Stevens, and that's not really Trevor Simeon's fault, but the batted pass that got popped up in the air for, uh, I thought it wasn't going to come back down. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Sanders caught it, and it might have been his best catch of the day. But th- th- there were some opportunities there that, that could have really been terrible that, that worked out in the Broncos' favor. He's just, he's got to be better. And he, again, like I said, he would say the same thing. He's got to be better. He's got to get through his reads better. He's got to have better pocket awareness. Oh, my goodness. That, that is just driving me nuts when he feels even just the, the little bit of pressure. All of a sudden, he pulls that football down, which takes away his ability to throw it. He takes his eyes off downfield, and he just kind of runs up into the pocket. Or he tries to run off to the, to the side and get to the outside and, and kind of just runs into sacks. And... Simeon, he's he's been he's been decent. He's played above my expectations for this year, but I still need to see more. If the Broncos are going to be something this year, Simeon has to be better. That, that's what it boils down to. Pass defense is great. Run defense is great. Run offense looks great. We have weapons on the outside, receiving weapons. Fowler stepped up. We look like we have a decent tank of tight ends. I mean, they're not nothing's amazing there, but Virgil Green, Hireman, and Derby all have their roles, but. Without him stepping up, without him hitting some of those big chunk plays and protecting the football, will likely, likely fall short. Anything can happen in the playoffs when you have a great defense that can run the ball. But if Simeon can step up, that will be huge. And as bad as the Giants have been, 0-5, their pass defense is decent. They have edge rushers. They have good cornerbacks. So I'm, I'm with you. After these next five games, I think I will have enough of a sample size where I can comfortably say, this is what Trevor Simeon is, and whether or not he is the guy to stick with. You know, right? He's, well, how many games will he be at at that point in his career? 22? 20? Well, let's see. He played, what, 13 games last year? I guess 14 then, games. So he'll be at uh, 22. Well, okay. There we go. <laughs> there we go. After 22 games, not showing enough progress, especially like when you're seeing what guys like Wentz are doing or Dak in their second year or Goff that second year jump, you know, he, he has to improve at some point. It's not, he can't use that young excuse, get better. You're getting the snaps. And through the first two weeks, I was excited last two weeks, not as excited. So next five games will be huge. And I'm, I'm pulling for him because this team, everything, everything else is in place. You just need that quarterback to step up. So anyway, enough, uh, Trevor Simeon talk. We'll leave that to a uh, chat and will for next week after this game happens factor this week is will parks like we talked about the giants receivers are decimated with injury and by far by far the giants best pass weapon is evan ingram a very very fast explosive dangerous receiving tight end 
that could give the Broncos some issues. Uh, he's been targeted a lot so far this season. I'm expecting that to go up. Parks is the guy who was on Jared Cook a lot um, in week four against the Raiders. And he had a solid game, but there was some plays where Cook could have come down with a ball and just dropped it or, you know, wasn't in the best position. So Will Parks, if he can stop Evan Ingram this week and assuming, you know, the cornerback shut down the relative no names that the Giants are going to be going with this week and the Giants continue to be terrible on the ground game and the Broncos' number one run defense continues, if the Broncos can stop Evan Ingram from moving the, the sticks and making some big splash plays, they have a legitimate chance at putting up a goose egg this week, shutting out a team at home on Sunday Night Football. And I think, I think they're, they want to do that. They should do that. Yeah, and, and this comes back to not playing down to your competition. Yes. you, you got to go dominate the teams that you should dominate. And at home against an own five team, you cannot lose this game. You can't let them hang around. You got to, they're own five. You come out and punch them in the mouth early in the game. They're just going to lay down. That, that's what we need to see. And will park stop and Evan Ingram. That would be a big part of that. That kind of brings us here to our, our game plan mode. And I'm excited because I get to be the Broncos again. Oh, I hated being the Raiders last time. Oh, that was, that was terrible. And glad the Broncos were able to stop them. But just looking at this game, Bronco offense, a lot of what we've already talked about. And how I would attack the Giants is you got to attack the edges, like you said. The the linebackers don't have the athleticism or awareness to really stop the edge. You get them kind of spread out that the front line. And, and if you're running straight up the middle, you're running right into the heart of that defense, or especially the run defense with Harrison and Tomlinson. Both those guys looking like top 10 run defenders in the interior. Run to the edges, get them going one way or the other, and and then run play auction, play action off of that. Like I said earlier in the show, the, the linebackers, they have such terrible awareness. There are so many times that I saw them just bite on the run game, just come crashing down and leave the middle of the field wide open. A.J. Derby has to go have a big game. The, the middle of the field just is going to be so wide open if they get the run game going. And, and again, that's, that's what they got to do. And then, and a lot of teams, what they've been doing is especially blitzing or just attacking to, to get Trevor Simeon under pressure. I think you're going to talk a little bit about that and, and what the giants are probably going to do, but Simeon, he's got to get the ball out of his hands, get the ball to his playmakers. And we already talked about, they are terrible tacklers. This is one of the worst tackling teams in football right now. So get the ball in DT's hands, in Sanders' hands, A.J. Derby's hands, C.J. Anderson or, or Jamal Charles coming out of the backfield. Get it into their hands quickly. Get the ball out of Simeon's hands and let your, goal pl- your playmakers go make plays. This doesn't have to be where Simeon has to hit a guy 40 yards down the field to make a 40-yard play. This could be he hits a screen pass to, to DT. DT makes one guy miss, and he's gone for 40 yards. That's what's got to happen. Get the ball out of his hands in a hurry. Get some rhythm going early on and, and get this move, this offense moving. That's, that's what I would do for the Broncos offense against this Giants defense. But how would you attack this Bronco offense? I would blitz the heck out of Trevor Simeon and make it so that the run game has nowhere to go. I mean, they're the third-ranked run offense in football right now. But Trevor Simeon has struggled in third and longer. I mean, he's, had, he's been great in third downs this year, but... It's mostly been the, the better situations in third down. And he's struggled tremendously under pressure so far this season. And 58 dropbacks, he's been sacked 13 times and run it four times. 
in pressure situations. He is 17 for 41 for 233 yards with two touchdowns and three interceptions. Um, and he's been sacked 22.4% of the times when he's been under pressure, which is the nice rate. So even when he's getting pressured, he's not escaping or he's running into another defender or the defender who's chasing him even um, if he doesn't see that coming. And uh, his 41.5 completion percentage ranks 28th for when he's under pressure. And also he has a 46.1 passer rating under pressure, which is ranked 27th in the league. So struggling pretty, pretty mightily when other teams are getting pressure. And that's a mix of the Broncos offensive line not being the best pass blocking right now. It's also a mix of going against some good pass rushing teams so far, but Trevor has struggled under pressure. So I'm going to make it tough on him. I mean, you beat me. I got three good cornerbacks. I got uh, safety and Landon Collins, who was good at creating turnovers against the run. And I got edge rushers. So I'm going to stop the run and let the strength of the defense go against the guy that I want to beat, beat me and Trevor Simeon. And if he can do it, tip my cap, but I'm not letting the run game beat me. I like it. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be the game plan until Trevor Simeon proves that he can beat some teams that if they blitz the heck out of him, that he can actually do something with it, that he can make those quick decisions that he won't panic in the pocket. And so this, this will be a big opportunity for him to, to get some defenses to actually back off. It's, it's kind of, it's a copycat league. If this worked to get one week, teams are usually going to copy that until a team proves that they can do something with it. So, yeah, I, I expect that for sure. But now, Bronco defense versus Giants offense. If I am the Bronco defense, I am doubling Evan Ingram. I am playing a lot of, of sh- not press coverage, but I'm, I'm watching the short stuff because I know that, that Eli Manning wants to get the ball out of his hand quickly. He knows that his offensive line is terrible. He knows that he has Von Miller and Shaq Barrett wanting to crash down on this guy and just get 10, 12 sacks this game. So he's going to want to get the ball out of his hand in a hurry. Protect those short areas and and force them to have to beat you long. And then have Justin Simmons playing kind of that deep safety look that I think he's really coming into his own. I, I think he can – you're talking about needing that athleticism. I think Justin Simmons can be that guy. I don't think he has quite the speed – of some of the other top tier free safeties that are those deep safeties, but he has that great first step. He's got that great awareness and, and just that leaping ability to go make a huge play. We saw that against the, against the Raiders where he out jumped Amari Cooper, who's a pretty good athlete himself, but Justin Simmons is just a better athlete. And so I, I just, I want to force Eli Manning to have to hold on to the ball a little bit longer make him a little bit more uncomfortable in the pocket, maybe make him do a, get a, here's some, some steps behind him a little bit and maybe try to run up in the pocket or something. And, and so just, just make him uncomfortable, just like they're going to try to make Trevor Simeon uncomfortable, go make Eli Manning uncomfortable and then go ahead and, and, and run some blitzes at him. I, I think he's a good quarterback and handling that, but just with the weapons that he has and just not having the trust in them, I would go ahead and, and make him have to to show that he trusts those guys in a hurry, that he's going to trust that they're going to run the right route right off the bat. And so use this crowd, get after him, and and just cover those short areas. I think that would be a good game plan, especially then it helps stop the run game too. That's a good game plan. I don't think that the, uh, I don't think that the Giants offense really has, unless for some reason the Broncos are positioned with turnovers and whatnot. But if I'm the Giants on offense – Best chances to use Ingram and Vereen as pass catching options and isolate the linebackers and the safeties. 
because that's where the Broncos have shown to be a little bit weak. And take a shot, too. You need to take some shots downfield because the run game is probably not going to be effective. So you got to take some shots, especially vertically, because you don't want a chance for some pick six. A deep interception is pretty much as good as a punt, and I'm expecting a fair amount of punts with the Giants' offense this week. But if you're going to do it, it's got to be. I think it's got to be Shane Vereen and Evan Ingram against linebackers and safeties. But other than that, just try not to get Eli killed. I guess get out of this game without getting Eli killed because he's going up with not a lot of passing weapons, and Broncos are going to be amped up against some not great at tackles. So it's a definitely a David and Goliath matchup for the Giants' offense against the Broncos' defense this week. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see many people picking the Giants to win this one. It's just, and I hate to, it's not a gimme win. No NFL game is a gimme win. It's, and and this league has been so weird this year. The Jaguars, I have no clue what they are week to week. The the Patriots, I don't know what they are yet. They're a great offense, but what is that defense? And there's just not a lot of teams that we really know exactly, hey, this is what they are. And uh, so always got to be careful, especially new players coming in. Sometimes they can catch you off guard, not quite knowing exactly what they like to do. And, uh, but this, this should be a very good matchup for the Broncos. Very good opportunity for them to go and, and take one here and, and keep the pressure on the chiefs. That's what they have to do. But getting to our last section here, the, the what to watch for. And, and two weeks ago, I kind of cheated and I instead of picking a position group or, or something like that, I picked Trevor Simeon. He is kind of a position group since he is the quarterback and he didn't really live up to the, to the hype. The Raiders don't have a great secondary beyond Khalil Mack. They don't have much of a pass rush. They're not great at stopping the run. There's just not much that that defense does well. And so I thought Trevor Simeon could go out there and have a really big game. And he just, he didn't do it. He just, he looked not scared, but he looked like he was afraid of, of making the big mistake. It was more that he didn't want to make the big mistake than he wanted to go out and make plays. And that he can't be that way. He's got to be an aggressive quarterback. He's got to go make some plays, whether it be with his legs, whether it be with his arm, whatever it may be. But against the Raiders, it just is one of my more disappointing games in him. I, I thought the, the Bills game, he was a lot more aggressive, which I appreciated. Yes, it led to a couple turnovers, and he's got to be careful with that. But he's got to find a balance between the two. There's being too aggressive, like Brett Favre all those years. (laughs) He he was a guy that he didn't care that he's throwing in the triple coverage. He was going to throw it as hard as he could and just hope his guy came up with it. That's being too aggressive. But there's being a point of too conservative. The the Chiefs with Alex Smith, he I hate saying this, but he might actually be the MVP of the league through the first quarter of the season. How crazy is that? Alex Smith. But part of it is, is because he's learned how to be a little more aggressive. He's kind of forced into it with them having Patrick Mahomes. Of the, They're not afraid to, to all of a sudden just bench Alex Smith and, and Trevor Simeon. If he's not careful, he's got a couple quarterbacks that I, I think, I don't know how much they trust Paxton Lynch right now, but I think they trust Brock Osweiler to come in and do some damage. I, I know that John Elway still really likes Brock Osweiler. So no, I'm not saying that, that Trevor Simeon's job is is on the line or anything like that, but he's got to go out there and start showing some more things. That was, that was my pick. And then you picked the wide receivers and it might've been one of their worst games as wide receivers. Yeah. Not a great showing only seven catches Fowler leading the way with 35 yards and DT only had one catch, but I mean, they won and I was expecting a more, just a better showing by the offense against a pretty poor Raiders defense, but that didn't happen. So 
hopefully this bye week has uh, helped them get a little bit better, a little cleaner, a little bit more effective, and we can see them going forward. But I'm not guessing this is a game where the, the wide receivers bust out because as bad as the Giants have been, they do have three decent cornerbacks. We'll see. But this week, my key area to watch is just turnovers. It's nothing. I mean, it's, it's the most important aspect in the game besides points, obviously. And the Giants offense should be overmatched. And Eli is prone to mistakes. So the, the Broncos need to create some turnovers. I feel like they've been a little bit more disappointing in creating turnovers over the last two weeks. They did have that big jump up by Justin Simmons, but only one in the past two weeks since week two. So hopefully we'll see some more turnovers, maybe even a strip sack. We haven't seen any of those yet this season. And Trevor Simeon, running backs, wide receivers, don't, don't lose the ball. This Giants offense is going to be in for a rough time this week, but the game can turn around quickly if you gift them great field position because of a turnover or points because of a turnover. Play to your strengths. Don't help the Giants' offenses at all because they're already going to have a pretty tough time. So win the turnover battle, and I think this game is pretty much assured a victory. Nice choice. I, I'm, what I have in my notes, I'm going to actually change it here. I'm going to go interior of the offensive line. I really want to see what the Broncos continue to do at that left guard spot. Are they going to continue the rotation or are they going to finally settle on one guy? I haven't really heard anything. So I'm guessing that means that they're going to continue with the rotation. But like I said, the the strength of this, this giants defense is that front four. And especially those, those two interior guys have just been the, the, the two stars so far. So just being able to see how does, how does Paradis handle a 350 pound nose tackle? That's (laughs) That's <laughs> he's giving up a lot of weight in that matchup. So can he handle that? If he can handle that, then he can handle anybody in this league. That that's my opinion. And then Ronald Leary, can he continue to be that, that consistent force on the offensive line and, and get some push and, and get to that second level. Like you talked about earlier, if you can get to that second level, if you can block those front four and then get some guys going to that second level, you can open up some very big holes in the run game for some big plays. And the Giants so far this year, they've struggled against that. So I, I just want to see what those guys look like against these. Big, this, is, this is a tough matchup for them. And, and just to see how they handle that group, because I, especially that left guard spot, I just want to see, is there any, any growth from the, the bye week? How did watching the film go? Like, what, what did they learn? What did the, the coaches tell them of, hey, you need to work on this? And I know it's hard to see big changes during the season, but a week four by that's, it's kind of that time that you can go and, and make a couple changes and, and really study the tape and, and just really dig in. So I, I hope to see that group really just dominate this game. Yeah, hopefully they, that would be, that would be huge for them, especially coming off that bye week. So I guess that brings us to our final section of the podcast and a prediction of the score. And Carl, I'm going to, I'm going to make you go first this week. Oh boy. Okay. I will go, I'll go 20 to three, 20 to three. Wow. That is a, uh, a butt whooping. And that was honestly the score I was going to go with. That's oh. what I had. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to switch it up. I will go, I will go 20 to 10. I think the giants get some sort of touchdown, whether it be a busted coverage or a get the field position off of a turnover. I think their defense is good enough. And the Broncos offense has been, Let's call it as is 16 points against this Raiders team at home. That's, that's considered struggling. I mean, a win's a win. I'm not down about the win, but I'll go 20 to 10. Okay. Not a bad choice. So, I, yeah. Not a bad choice. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be 20 to zero. I want to see him get that shutout at home. 
That would be absolutely awesome. I do like the Mannings, but Eli Manning memes too. Just I'm a mean person. That'd be that would be great to see some. Just we had some great ones for Tony Romo, Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers after they came to Denver and just got smacked. And Sunday Night Football, we're in the All Blues. I I smell a long long day for Eli. Well, that will wrap up the Week Six preview of the Huddle Up podcast. It's been a too long since the Broncos have played. You know the bye week in Week Five, but we're back and the Broncos are going to be back. Broncos find themselves and good chance to go four on one in the seasons and coming against a very injured Giants team, especially on offense uh, and Sunday night football wearing the all blues. Um, the team just cannot let a game like this get away. You have to win this game if you're going to be a serious contender in the AFC West. And I, Carl and I both expect them to take care of business. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl MHH and myself at Nick Handle MHH, as well as find our Denver Bronco articles on Mile High Huddle and affiliate scout.com and CBS Sports Digital Network. Carl, what are you working on right now? I'm working on a, a Todd Davis piece, actually. Ooh. Just, uh, you, you kind of talked about it a little bit earlier of, of some people kind of wondering how we could pick him over Brandon Marshall. Well, I, I might prove to you why I'm picking him over Brandon Marshall so far this year. Very good, very good. And I think I am going to do a mock draft piece because it's a quarter season, Mark, and I haven't done one since the preseason, and I have some ideas. Even though we did the podcast last week, we're going to switch it up. Um, you can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. We also have audio on YouTube where you can check that out and comment with us. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with Bronco fans. For Carl Dummer, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. Mile High Huddle.